Hello. After we finished recording this episode of the Who's podcast, news was announced of the sad passing of Raymond Cusick, the designer of the Daleks who died at the age of 84 after a short illness. Ray Cusick also worked on other episodes of Doctor Who, such as The Keys of Marinus and Plans of the Giants, to name but a few, but his design of the Daleks would live on and scare children for 50 years. While his design has undergone a few minor alterations, and there were a few aborted attempts at creating different styles of Daleks, such as the Scrat Spider Daleks for the Paul McGann TV movie, his basic design remains to this day such a strong and iconic design, and I think that any attempts to change it would be seen as foolhardy by a great many people. I don't think that Doctor Who would have been quite so popular if it wasn't for his bringing to life of Terry Nation's creations, and his contribution to the success of Doctor Who should not be ignored. We would like to express our deepest sympathies to his family and friends at this very sad time. Welcome to the Who's Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to be going back to our Season 3 retrospective of Doctor Who. And uh, this time it's the turn of Gridlock. But uh, but first, let's have some news, shall we? Yes. Yes, let's have some news. Um, now, obviously, the big thing this week is, um, I think, what we forgot to mention last week, is the, the filming is well and truly underway for an adventure in time and space. Yeah. Um, which is, as most of you will know, is the... Uh, drama surrounding the creation of Doctor Who that Mark Gatiss has, uh, has written in celebration of the 50th anniversary. Um, and there's been some quite interesting bits and pieces surfacing this week, haven't there? Yes. Because uh, it's been a bit quiet. We've had, obviously, the uh, the casting. You know, I suppose the big one is David Bradley cast as, uh, as William Hartnell. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who know, David Bradley... Uh, was in Dinosaurs in a Spaceship as the, the bad guy of the piece, Solomon, and also as uh, Argus Filch from the Harry Potter films. But uh, but this week, uh, it's been announced that Reese Shearsmith has been cast as Patrick Troughton. Yes, uh, Mark Gatiss had to look long and hard to find someone. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm... I'm quite surprised how because we were just discussing before we before we started recording. I'm actually quite surprised how in depth they're going into this. Yeah, they're looking to cover quite a lot of period, aren't they? Yeah, because um, I thought it was just about um, bringing Doctor Who to life, as it were, in 1963. I didn't know it, as we were discussing beforehand. It, it seems like they're going to go through right up until Hartnell leaves. Yeah. Which is well, I think it could shape up to be quite good. Well, it depends. I mean, the, the problem if if they cover too big a period, of course, is you don't really. Yeah, you just get little snippets, don't you? Yeah, how quickly are they just going to flash through bits? Mm. And are we just going to have little scenes, recreate little scenes, just to sort of tie tie a date down to what's yeah. happening out on the rest of the in the narrative they're producing? Hmm. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this though because I think the. I mean, obviously, the other big thing this. Well, actually, there was two big things this week. Um, the other one was I think it was sort of like a Mark Gatiss video diary. They've recreated uh, the Daleks sort of uh, trundling across Westminster Bridge from Daleks' Invasion of Earth. Yes, yeah, Sunday morning, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I must admit, the 
they've completely recreated the, the Daleks of the time as well, exactly. Um, I mean, the, the attention to detail on this at the moment is incredible. Yeah, interesting that they, they spent time on the Daleks for this. Um, when we were told about when the, they were doing Asylum of the Daleks, that, oh, of course, you couldn't recreate new Daleks of the old versions because it would cost too much money. Yeah, it's peculiar, isn't it? Um, I've just got a funny feeling, because obviously, before I move on to that, the other big thing this week, and I don't know if you saw it yourself, Paul, because the photographs have, uh, have been taken down, was the recreation of the TARDIS set. The first set. The first yeah. set, which looked absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It really did. Um, I, I'm so pleased how, how well they've done with this. Uh, but everyone, that's got everyone to talking. Why can't they use this thing for the 50th? In the actual yeah. fi- in the in the actual anniversary episode. Well, I mean, who's to say to they're not going to? You know? Yeah, yeah, and who's to say they're not going to use these Daleks as well? That was how the, that was the point I was I was sort of getting to. Yeah, was you know the amount of money they spent on this. They're surely not just going to use it just for this production. And it seems, I mean, they're they're both filming roughly the same time, aren't they? Yeah. So a set built, a set built for the, the first Doctor's TARDIS could well be still standing. Or could be filmed. They could film in for the fiftieth anniversary without it being too much of a a problem. Yeah, I I, I think it's uh, and the way the BBC likes to save money, you'd think they'd be quite keen to do so. Well, yeah, precisely. So I, I think that they're, they're they're going to get more use out of this. Set. I like to think they would because if they don't reference the, uh, uh, well, they don't have to reference the the first uh, Tardis set. But it would be quite nice if they did. I mean, of course, we have. I mean, we don't know. Necessarily, do we know when that was filmed? When this bit was filmed, or is it is it recent? Well, that's the thing. I, I honestly don't know. Um, oh. I, so, I, so I looked at the photographs, and then within hours they were taken down again. Yeah, and they, they are still lurking out there somewhere. But I mean, I think any sort of official um, sort of source for, for sci-fi or Doctor Who news, what we want to call it, have, have decided to take them down or been asked to take them down, which they, which they yeah. have complied with. Because we've also we've got an episode coming up in the rest of the parts series seven, haven't we? It's Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. Well, now that's a, that's a very good point. Yes, would they want to be going through previous control rooms and whatever, or at least it would give them an opportunity to yeah. pop their head into a previous control room. So this could have been built for, on the basis that it could be used for both this and for the actual show. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I, th- I think you you could well be right there. Actually, I think you could well be right. We shall see. We haven't got long to wait now, have we? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if it doesn't turn up in either that or the fiftieth. It'd be a shame if it didn't. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the. I don't think people would say they must put it in there. It's, as you say, it's, it would be a shame if they didn't. Having built it, yeah. I mean, you can understand they wouldn't want to build them for the different console rooms for the. Mm. For the fiftieth, because the obviously the cost then goes up in yeah, that's right design. But having built one, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it would make sense, wouldn't it? Business yeah. sense, put it that way. It would make yeah. a lot of business sense. Um, now the other um, couple of bits of news that have come out uh, this week for this uh, Avenger Time and Space: Nicholas Briggs, the uh, the voice of the Daleks, as he is as he is, has been for many a year now. Um, he, he's obviously voiced the Daleks for an Avenger Time and Space as well, but he. He said this week that he was actually um, fitted out with a costume and a wig um, to do a, a cameo as Peter Hawkins. 
As many of you will know, he was the original voice of the Daleks. Uh, but he doesn't know whether his part will actually make the edit. I mean, to a certain extent, it makes if you're going to have somebody, it makes sense because if he's he can sort of do the onset voice. Yeah, he's got the sort of speech pattern to do it. Yeah, if they needed somebody to be voicing it live, so to speak. Yeah, that's it. So actually, there's another thing I just stumbled, stumbled across for this. All these bits and pieces keep coming out about this now. The um, for the 1963 studio, they've gone to uh, a company called Golden Age Television Recre- uh, yeah, Re- Recreations. Right. Um, so basically, they, they supply all the 60s vintage TV studio equipment and, um, and gallery equipment and stuff. So, um, so they're, they're, they're obviously, because they need the great, the, the, the old huge cameras, cameras, don't they? Yeah. I just think that's the main thing about that, isn't it? Is yeah. The, you're not going to want to build those. No, exactly. <laughs> Now, Backdrops um, and whatever could be made out of cardboard and plastic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But the the cameras, yeah, the, you, you do need uh, something uh, a little bit uh, a little bit realistic for that, don't you? Yeah. So, um, now another bit of news that was um, cut yesterday. Another bit of casting news for this was uh, an actress called Sophie Holt is going to play Jackie Lane. And if you don't know who Jackie Lane, is she played the character of Dodo? Yes. Who? Um, Disappeared halfway through. The last yeah, well, let's say un- un- so un- the un- yeah, unceremoniously dumped from the war machines. Yes. I think is the. <laughs> I suppose actually, if you're going to be doing a, a thing that looks at the, the the story of the first, this is actually this was actually quite a major thing, isn't it? To have a character to show yeah. how characters were written in and written out. Yeah, it was the most obvious one, wasn't it? Where someone was just. Yeah, contract right. run out and just well, even though we're halfway through filming a story, you're gone. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, but I mean, the other obviously, let's quickly summarise the other bits of um, the people that have been cast so far. We've got uh, Jamie Glover as uh, William Russell, uh, Gemma Powell as Jacqueline Hill, Claudia Grant as Caroline Ford, and then also it says that uh, Peter Purvis uh, um, is going to be uh, represented in the drama. Along with, and apparently they reckon they seen an actress play Maureen O'Brien as well. Right. So they really are going through the whole the whole thing, aren't they? And there's also talk that actually William Russell is going to actually have a part in this. Yes, even a minor. Yeah. Sort of, and that which would is quite nice. It would be that that would be very nice, um, and makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah, it does make a hell of a lot of sense. Anyway, so that that's that for the adventure uh, in time and space. Um, now, what about? Um, Series eight of Doctor Who. Everyone's been been a little bit um, up in air about. They're a little bit concerned that yeah. after the fiftieth anniversary, um, I think it's been confirmed there's a Christmas special, but no mention of series eight. Well, um, Stephen Moffat uh, gave an interview. Uh, apparently, he was interviewed at the uh, at Galley Gallifrey One um, in LA. Well, last yes, week. It, was, it was an interview to be shown there, wasn't yeah, it? Yes, right. Um, and basically, says yes, he's planning it right now. Yeah. So um, let you let your fears be uh, um, allayed. Is all I can say. Is uh, yes. So we we are getting series eight of Doctor Who, and it doesn't look like Stephen Moffat is going anywhere either. No, not at the moment. I, although with him, you never quite know. No, exactly. And obviously, the question came up during the interview: um, How long will Matt Smith stay in the role? And he just said, "Forever for the rest of time." Yes. Yeah. He's not gonna let. Even if he knows, he wouldn't. No, exactly. He's not going to let on, is he? Um, now, there was one other thing, and I can't find the news article. I wish I'd sort of emailed it to myself during the week. Um, but about the, the, 
the length of the 60th, of the 60th anniversary. Way <laughs> hey, I'm going to go forward in time. Um, I got myself confused there because uh, there was the news that the or the sort of unofficial announcement that the 50th anniversary special would be 60 minutes in length. Yeah, uh, which I think Stephen Moffat and I can't remember the exact phrase of it, but basically he's quashed that. He doesn't know where that came from. But unfortunately, I can't find the article that referenced it. So there's journalism in action for you. It's <laughs> but... probably 55 minutes. Yes. <laughs> it's a 42 minutes, 33 seconds. Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I think whoever put that balled up at that uh, toy convention was um, getting a little bit ahead of themselves there. Uh, again, we still don't quite know. No. We'll, we'll wait until the schedule comes out, shall we? Yeah. But I honestly can't see if they're... You know, if it's the fifth anniversary, they're going to make it 60 minutes long. I think it will be longer. Yeah, it depends if it's shown in one, if it is actually just one episode or whether it might be two episodes. I mean, it could be 60 minutes and 60 minutes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it could be. It could be. So, But we, we shall see. We shall yeah. see. I mean, until any official announcement is actually made, um, I don't think it's actually worth anybody really sort of Put, read anything into it. To be honest, it's it's not how long it is; it's how good it is, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, his length is not important. <laughs> is that what you tell all the girls? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a particularly boy point of view. <laughs> exactly. It's not the length; it's the quality. <laughs> oh dear! Right um, now, obviously, another thing that came up. Um, I think also come out of this uh, interview as well. Stephen Moffat apparently keeps asking Russell T. Davis to return to Doctor Who to uh, write another script, uh, which Russell T. Davis has basically said, no, he has no intention of doing so. Yeah, I can. Well, I, I, you can understand that he'd want to do that. Yeah. Because I, basically, right, it, all, nearly all the writers re contribute, don't they? Yeah, they do, don't so they? So it, it, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's more unusual that a writer hasn't. Yeah. And for somebody like him to do that would be to not have asked him would have been unusual it would have been uh, apparently he asks him every time he gets the chance to doesn't he so um but what he said of of um of russell t davis um so this is for a quote from the interview he said i think he did his duty my god did that man do his duty for doctor who so he's maybe wanting a nice long rest from it not rest from being a fan by the way just to rest from being a writer yeah yeah i mean there's a question of how many episodes you've written and then how many Unless you have a, I suspect it would happen if Russell T Davies suddenly decided he had a really good idea, mm. he'd probably say yes, I'll do, I'll write this. Yeah, but I wouldn't have thought he's, he's that interested in being commissioned, so to speak. To no, write that's something. right, that's right. Um, what would you? I mean, if he was to turn up again, right? What would you think of that? Um, yeah, it'd be quite, it'd be quite interesting. It'd also be quite interesting with somebody, perhaps if he's not given such a free. Rain, perhaps, mm. uh, and if it's writing for a middle episode, it's probably yeah. I'd quite quite interested. I would. He did, he did do some good stuff. He, yeah, I mean, everyone. I mean, I'm as guilty as the rest of them. You know, I do tend to not rubbish Russell T Davis, but I, I'm certainly very critical of some of the the stuff he turned in. Um, but he does write good scripts. He has written good scripts. It's just the I think we sort of pick the finales. As, yeah. the, as the worst example of his work. And it, and it, and it, got, and it got bigger and bigger yeah. as, as the series went on. And more and more ridiculous as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, because to be honest, had he had he's had he been useless, <laughs> we wouldn't have Doctor Who now. No, we wouldn't. I mean, I think a lot of the, the RTD bashers have, have forgotten we've got a lot to thank this man for. Yeah, we really have got a lot to thank him for. Um, yeah, I've actually got a thing. We should we should do a special RTD podcast one day. Actually, yeah. I, th- I think he's he's probably the man is is due an episode of of, of his own. I think I think it, I think it's right for right for discussion. So. Okay, maybe, that, maybe that's one for the future. That's one for the future. Okay, um, a little bit of DVD news. Um, there's been an update on the Visitation Special Edition, um, which I, I didn't realise was getting a special edition. Yeah, because there was the jokes about the I was going to revisit the Visitation. Yeah. Um, now, apparently, um, it's provisionally scheduled for release on the 6th of May for both Region 1 and Region 2, and Region 4 gets it on... The twenty fourth of April, it says here, but why they get it before? Don't quite understand that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe that news source is wrong. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, but all I can imagine, I think it's just probably just some extra. Uh, the special features are, are, are different. I'm assuming because I, I yeah. actually haven't got the, the visitation on DVD yet, so I, no. I, I can't. I can't compare it. So I'm still sort of uh, adding to my collection at the moment. And certainly, as soon as I heard they'd announced that it was going to be there, I wasn't going to buy the original. No, precisely. <laughs> well, apparently, what I can see, there's quite a few new things on here. So um, I don't know what it's added to the original one at all, but you've got a commentary featuring Peter Davis and Janet Fielding, Sarah Sutton, Matthew Waterhouse, and director Peter Moffat. Um, now, that hasn't got new against it, so I'm, I'm surmising that is the original commentary. Uh, then it says you've got a brand-new 45-minute documentary where Mark Strickson takes Peter Davison, Janet Fielding, Sarah Sutton, and not Matthew Waterhouse, uh, back to the original filming locations where other cast and crew discuss their memories of the story. Probably couldn't afford the catering bill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Billy Bunter of the Doctor Who world, didn't they? <laughs> Maybe they're doing a special one for another DVD release where, where you get canteen memories <laughs> featuring Matthew Waterhouse. <laughs> it starts... <laughs> Does he actually start? I want you starts with the documentary going, but I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, then there's another one called another um, special feature called the Television Centre of the Universe, Part One, um, which is where Peter Davison, Mark Strix, and Janet Fielding return to Boozy Television Centre, and they meet up and reminisce with old uh, colleagues uh, about working in the, uh, in the, as it says it, the iconic building. It is iconic. As well, it actually. sounds like they just went on for a day out, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? You're a bit of a beano. <laughs> so, um, there's another one called Doctor Forever, the Apocalypse Element, uh, which examines the world of Doctor Who on audio, which might be quite good. Um, the other new bits, uh, Radio Times listings, subtitle, production notes, um, and the whole story's been digitally remastered as well, picture and sound quality. So yeah. there we go. So... Um, yeah, that's it for DVD news. Now, um, unfortunately, we've got some sad news uh, to report. Richard Briers, um, yes. a well-known actor who had a, who did have a part in Doctor Who in the story Paradise Towers as the chief yes. caretaker, uh, sadly passed away at the age of 79. Yes. So, I mean, that is... A fine actor, if, you watch, if you're our age particularly. Oh. It's very much part of our childhood. Oh, God, yeah. Um I mean, obviously, he's and it's constantly be... repeated now. Yes, I know, I know. Well, obviously, he's he's most remembered for the Good Life. 
Yes. And for those of uh, of our non UK listeners, The Good Life was a very very popular um, sitcom in the seventies. Uh, basically, Richard Bryars played a. a um, a guy called Tom Good and his wife Barbara Good, who basically dropped out. They got out of the rat race and decided to be self-sufficient. Um, again, uh, who lived next door to their uh, very non-self-sufficient neighbours, uh, yeah. and it was, I mean, extremely popular. It really was. Uh, it didn't even had a, um, a royal appointment, didn't it? The yes. queen, the queen, actually turned to watch one of the episodes being filmed. Yeah. So that's how popular it was in its day. Um, but I will. Personally, um, always remember him for ever decreasing circles. Yeah. Um, I, were you ever a fan of that, Paul? Um, to be honest, I didn't see that one as, as much. Uh, I, I mean, that was basically the whole series that however long it, how many series there were of it. Um, I think it's about three or four, if I remember rightly. It was basically a man having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. That that's basically what it was, and but he was absolutely superb, and actually the whole cast. In that were absolutely superb, and I'll, 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 it's one of my favourite ever sitcoms. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, but I think for children, uh, basically of our age, we remember him as the narrator of Rhubarb and Custard. Yes, yeah. It's a sad day today as well for. Yes, because unfortunately, um, yeah, Bob Godfrey, the creator um, of Rhubarb and Custard, he also used to animate the cartoon as well. Sadly, passed away. As yeah. well, at the age of ninety-one, so um, yeah, that was uh, a very sad, very sad week, really. Yes. Yeah. So ah, uh, oh dear, that's uh, that's a bit of a bit of a come down, bit of a come down. Okay. Well, um, I think just before we before we wrap this up, there's just time for, for another quick trip to Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! And we've just got one item of tat for your uh, for your delectation this week. Um, it's, well, Paul, have you ever wanted to... Well, obviously, I know you love listening to music, don't you? Yes. You love listening to music, you, you know. Um, and you've got me interested in a great many bands that I wouldn't have bothered listening to over the years. Yes, you know, so, so blame me. Yeah, I blame you, I blame you. <laughs> Um, so you've opened my eyes to a few more bands and everything, but um, I mean, do, do you want a, like a, a like a little compact speaker system? Yes. Yeah, sometimes, are you getting full quality of the sound? <laughs> this is it. Am I? Are you though? Are you getting full quality of the sound? Well, you know, there's some really expensive systems out there, aren't there? There are, but there's also expensive and also chic as well. Yes. Yes. So, um, have you ever wanted, or have you ever dreamt of owning? Shall I say? A speaker system in the shape of a TARDIS? Well, it, it is the ultimate dream, isn't it? Well, well, Paul, all your dreams have come true. I, I feel like I feel like it's like the, the, the bullseye. <laughs> look what look what you could have won. Yes, a company, Paul, called Who Sounds Limited, are releasing a TARDIS speaker system. Hmm. Yes. Control your excitement, please. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> yes, this um, piece of tat. Basically, it's um, a TARDIS-shaped um, speaker system, as you would imagine. Uh, stands, was it, 32 centimetres tall. Um, let's give you the, 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 the full specification here. A 2.1 channel speaker system, highly efficient amplification technology, professional three-speaker design, Bluetooth, 
uh, USB charger, dual color LED indicator, blue and white, um, 3.5mm auxiliary in, remote control, uh, volume base, track forward, track back, power on off, Bluetooth and auxiliary connectivity, and a 9 second BBC Doctor Who TARDIS landing sound, uh, soundtrack when pairing to Bluetooth. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> that's what I've missed. <laughs> yes, indeed. How, how, do you, how do you know if other stuff, how you, whether your equipment is paired? Well, I don't know how I've got by all these years. I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, and apparently it's compatible with iPods, iPhones, you name it. So, yeah. um, Now, it's for sale um, from April. Uh, apparently it's going to be available from the 6th of April this year. Um, you can buy it from the BBC shop or Forbidden Planet. And Forbidden Planet, I've got it for a web price of £150. Hmm. Yeah. A tad overpriced, do you think? I'd have thought so. Uh, and now, the thing is, I don't actually know how this compares to other iPod docks, which is basically all this is, really, isn't it? It's a glorified iPod dock. Yeah, I suppose it's the Bluetooth part of it that's the... Yeah, that's probably the, 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 the only difference, I suppose. The main thing. I mean, the question with it is going to be, A, does it actually sound any good? Yeah. If it sounds good, then it might well be worth the price. It might be. I, I don't think but I'll be rushing sounds, out. If it sounds tinny, then it's not. No, exactly. I, I don't think I'll be rushing out to buy this one either. No. It's I mean, if you've, if you've got a completely Doctor Who-themed room and you don't want to spoil it with a speaker that isn't, <laughs> then this is the thing for you, I'd have thought. <laughs> well, f- well, you know... I mean, <laughs> for, 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 for when you bring a lady back and want to play some particularly <laughs> sexy music in the background. <laughs> what, in your Doctor Who-themed room? <laughs> Well, I, I wish you every every luck with that endeavour, Paul. I really do. How long have you been single now? <laughs> Ever since I had the Doctor Who thing. <laughs> well, maybe this will be the clincher for you. This is probably this is, perhaps this is what they've noticed isn't there, and they've run from that. <laughs> his collection isn't complete. He has but an ordinary speaker <laughs> in his room. Speaker in the room. Exactly. Doesn't match. <laughs> It's not, it's not aesthetically pleasing, is it? So, no. Oh, God. Right. There we are. That, that, that's the only item for uh, Omega's Tech Cooler this week. So we've we discussed uh, Paul's loneliness in great detail. <laughs> so for another week, then, that was the news. Right then, everyone. It's time to continue with our Season 3 retrospective. And uh, well, it's the first time this year, actually, isn't it? We've, re- uh, we've returned to Season 3, I believe. Um, it is for me. Yes, I yes. believe I believe you snuck one out without. Yes, with uh, with Martin from the Bad Wolf yes. podcast. Yes, indeed. Um, yes. So um, this time it's the turn of Gridlock. One trip. That's what I said. One trip in the TARDIS and then home. Although I suppose we could stretch the definition. Take one trip into the past, one trip into the future. I'd have had to that. <laughs> no complaints from me. How about a different planet? Can we go to yours? Ah, plenty of other places. Oh, come on, no. I mean, Planet of the Time Lords, that's got to be worth a look. What's it like? It's beautiful, yeah. Is it like, you know, out of space cities, all spires and stuff? I suppose it is. Great big temples and cathedrals. Yeah. Lots of planets in the sky. The sky's burnt orange. With a citadel enclosed in a mighty glass dome. 
shining under the twin suns. Beyond that, the mountains go on forever. Slopes of deep red grass, capped with snow. Can we go there? Nah, where's the fun for me? Okay, now before we um. Before we kick off our uh, little discussion on Gridlock, after the last episodes where we discussed Season 3, which is Episode 91, um, we got a little bit of feedback yes. um, from a guy called Chris Ralton. Hi, Chris. Thanks for your, thanks for your email, mate. Um, now, obviously, you, it's to do with our discussion on Martha Jones and uh, Freema um, Adjuman full stop. So, um, basically, it's all sort of about her... How she goes through the series, and everything. So what we're, what we're going to do, Chris, we're going to we're going to save your email until we get to the end of our retrospective because I think it's probably worth bringing up in the discussion then. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about her as a character. Yeah, that's it. Then, so uh, yeah, so um, we haven't forgotten you. Um, so all, all your all your feedback, and so it's very much appreciated. Um, and if anyone wants does want to send us feedback, just go to our website, um, fill out the uh, the form there, um, who's-e.co.uk. Okay then, let's uh, let's kick off this retrospective, shall we? Um, Do you want to start? Okay, I'll start. Um, when this episode first came out, I was a little bit, I could say, not a, a bit nonplussed by it. It was it was very much a filler episode. And, yeah, and, it was a, and, it's until, quite until, a simple story, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, until you get to the end where you get this this whole "you are not alone" thing. But when I watched it again for for the purposes of this podcast, I really actually rather enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not a it's not an unenjoyable episode, is it? It's no, and I think because it's, it's probably so simple. Exactly, I think it's it's a very undemanding story. Yeah, and considering we've sort of almost had a slight go, <laughs> even in defending Russell T Davis, yeah, uh, as a writer. This for him was about as understated as it gets, wasn't it? It was. It really was. Um, and I, I, I'd say I just really enjoyed it. I was, I actually, I was actually quite surprised that how much I did actually enjoy it. It just, it moves along at a, 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 a decent pace, you know. Um, okay, some of it's a little bit. Um, you think there's a few sort of like sort of plot holes and everything, but it's because it does move along at such a such a fast pace. You you tend to f- sort of not forget them. You just sort of ignore them. Yeah, they're not important. They no, don't exactly. Yeah, it doesn't they impose don't... on the story so much. Exactly, because you know. there's no plot arc or anything, is there? No, it really is a standalone story. Okay, you get a little bit of the setup at the end with the face of Bo, but um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, actually, yeah, having said that, yeah, it's probably actually the most highlighted point to a story arc come to to a later bit that there was, wasn't there in these? Yeah, but it wasn't really that. That again, actually, was particularly after the story had finished, almost, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, which I which I liked actually, because there was no, it wasn't underpinning the story, was it? No. Which made a nice change. It really did. Um, and there were some nice scenes in it as well, um, and some surprising stuff as well, to be honest. Um, but if we go back to the whole the whole thing about selling moods, the mood patches. Yeah, I actually thought that was quite a a, a good twist that the whole. But you know the whole human race have just become more well, drug addicted, yeah. Race, basically, and having like a well, it's sort of like legalization of of narcotics. Full stop. You know, you know, it's sort of like it, you had like legalized um, drug dealers, didn't you, with with their own little pitches? 
still yeah. in their different moods. You and know? if you was in a position where nobody knew this was there was any side effects to, it probably been presumed that there was no side effects to them. Yeah. And then later on, you find out, of course, there was. Yeah, exactly. Um, and basically, the whole the people that weren't sort of are trying to escape the city and stuck in the in the, the gridlock of the uh, of the t- of the title uh, of the of the show, um, they basically all died, didn't they? Yeah. Through um, now what was what was the actual explanation? Of, it reminds me. Um, it was of, the latest mood was bliss or something, something wasn't like it? That, yeah. Which mutated and become airborne. Yeah. And killed everyone in seven minutes or something. Something like that, yeah. Before it was before they had a chance to do much other than they shut the motorway to protect those that were there. Yeah. And put a quarantine signal out. Yeah. So that was uh Yeah, I, I just like I just like the whole idea that everyone was sort of you know, that it was the face of Bo that was behind quarantine everybody and he was sort of using all his power to, to you know to keep everybody safe. Yeah. So he sacrificed himself, really. I, I quite like that, to be honest. Um, and you had a returning character from um, New Earth as well, Novice Hain. Yeah. Um, sort of like she'd sort of uh, done a... This was her penance, basically, wasn't it? Was, yeah, to look after to him look after and, after and him. stay with him. Yeah. Um, I thought that was quite uh, that was quite good. Um, but also, one thing I've forgotten as well was the, the couple that kidnapped Martha right at the very beginning... I actually forgot it was um, Annie from... You didn't watch Being Human, did you? No. No, I forgot it was... I, I completely forgot she was in it, Annie from Being Human. I can't remember, unfortunately, I can't remember the actress's name. Um, <laughs> forgive me for that. Um, but yeah, I forgot she was um, She was, She was. was in this. But I think she's quite a good actress as well, to be honest. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I just really liked it. I just really liked it. Um, then, of course, you've got um, Ardlo Hanlon as Brannigan. Now... Did you not find that, I've got to be honest, did you not find that a little bit creepy with his little cat family? Um, she gave birth to kittens. Don't know, no, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know Actually, why. It's, it's a bit awkward, otherwise they'd have to do some quite good special effects too if you're going to do some sort of hybrid Yeah, I just found creature. that, yeah, I just thought, I was, I, even then I just thought, ooh, yeah, so, <laughs> she's had sex with a cat. <laughs> you get arrested for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Would you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I just thought... <laughs> You've obviously thought to look it up. I don't know. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I thought I was the one that was supposed to be lonely. No. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> not now, you know, you could be arrested for it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but... <laughs> no, I just I just thought that was quite good. Um, but the only... And the, Again, this is sort of quite a, a Martha-centric episode, this one. Yes. I actually thought she was really quite good in this, because she, she carried this episode quite a lot. There's only a bit I didn't quite like, and this is nothing to do with her uh, as an actress. I think it's a little, again, to do with the way Russell T. Davis was taking the character. And I think this, this was the big misstep with the Martha Jones character, was the fact that she, the way she reacted to the fact that the Doctor had taken Rose... To New Earth before her, yeah, and it was it was like that thing. Well, you you've taken me to where you took your previous girlfriend. Now again, that's that's a very everyday thing to to bring into it. But yeah, I did, mean, to, did the to be honest, really actually, to do that, it, you know, it did sort of hit me that you'd have thought yourself of all the you you can take her to anywhere in time and space, 
Yeah. So you take her back to somewhere you've recently... You take her to somewhere you've recently been with the person you're missing. You're siding with Martha, aren't you? <laughs> well, to be honest, I did think that was a bit... That would be a bit odd. And I think yeah. you would find that a bit odd. Well, no, it's just, it's just the fact that they made... It, again, it was just to highlight the fact that Martha is sort of lovelorn um, with the Doctor. So, it, and I think it didn't... I think that was the mistake with the character. And I said, it's nothing to do with Freeman Adjuman uh, or... You know, or actually, it's sort of like they're in the character. It, it was what Russell T. Davis wanted to do with the character. Yeah, but I think it was also supposed to be showing that the Doctor was also trying to replace Rose, and he was taking her to somewhere he'd had a good time or had an adventure with Rose to see whether I, the chemistry was the same there. I don't know if he was trying to replace. He wasn't replacing Rose with Martha. I, I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't think he was trying to replace Rose with Martha. I think he, he, yes, he was missing Rose, but he didn't see Martha in that light, did he? No, but then that would make it a bit odd to repl- to go somewhere. But I, think, but I think that's just the doctor, though, gone. isn't it? He, he doesn't think in those terms. It wouldn't occur to him. You know, it, it didn't occur to him that Martha was sort of pining for yeah. him. Um, and it wouldn't occur to him that taking her to where he took Rose previously would affect her. Mm. Yeah, no, I know. I don't think it would. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think he really, really thinks that Martha's, at this stage, thinks that Martha's got that much of a thing for him. No, that's right. That's right. But getting away from all that, the, the other scenes between Doctor and, uh, the Doctor and Martha when they're talking about Gallifrey... Yeah. I thought were actually really well written, really well acted by the pair of them. Because it was so low-key. Yeah. In terms of... It wasn't uh, overplayed or whatever. It just was a person that was deeply missing didn't really you you realize what the doctor was saying there was the fact that he doesn't want to admit that there's they're not there anymore yeah that's it and basically he's responsible for that yeah as well so but i just thought it was, it was the whole way he described gallifrey you know the orange sky and all that stuff and it and, it, and obviously later in the series we do get to see gallifrey and all, in you know in all its glory but um this description as well i think i think I think actually, I remember at the time I thought that this this is great because we never, you know, Gallifrey was sort of mentioned in passing, wasn't it, more or less? Yeah, it was almost like a dirty word, uh, Gallifrey, and then then to actually for Martha's character to force the Doctor to confront it, yeah, and and talk about it as well, and then you get this wonderful description of what Gallifrey looks like. Um, I, I must admit though, my first thought on that was it didn't look like that in the Five Doctors. <laughs> No, it looked like Brecon Beacons. In it. <laughs> Peculiar. It was the death zone, though, wasn't it? So, <laughs> and they were still building the coffee shop at the time, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought the, the the two scenes, especially at the end, where Martha just grabs the chair, sits down, goes, and says, "I'm not going anywhere until you talk to me about this." Um, and I thought when they made her do things like that, yes, I think her character worked really, really well. I really do. Well, yeah, I mean, she, her character should have been a very strong character. Yeah. So we must be not talking about her in terms of this. I mean, in this episode, I think she it works really well. Yeah. There is, yeah, the two the two bits in it is the as you say with her is the um, you've brought me to the same place, mm. and then the when he says he, you're not alone, does he mean me? Yeah. 
they're the only two bits really that fall into that, aren't they? Otherwise, right. she's actually a very she is a strong character in this. Oh yeah, yeah, I think she definitely is. She definitely is. A, I mean, it's I think it's probably one of the one of the better written episodes for her. Yeah, this one. Um, so we're only sort of you know third episode into this series, and there are some great stories to come um, featuring Martha. So a two-parter in particular. Yeah, where she's very good. So, um, but yeah, so. Um, but as you said, we we don't want to, we want to sort of save the the whole Martha dissection until uh, until we we've wrapped up this uh, retrospective, really, don't we? Yeah. But uh, but anyway, yeah. Getting back to the uh, the story in hand, I quite like the um, the whole thing about the everyone being sort of basically trapped in this massive traffic jam as well. And the only thing I sort of like to, you know getting access to the fast lane, you need three people. What I couldn't understand was why um, Brannigan hadn't disappeared down to the lower levels before, because he'd had all those kittens in there. Yeah, because they wouldn't go, though. They'd obviously heard the... Because he, he says, doesn't he, to them, we can go. And the uh, the bit. wife says, no, no, we don't. No. I'd forgotten. I'd completely forgotten about that bit. So... What, what, was, their re- what was their reason for not doing it? I really can't um, remember. Because they'd obviously heard the rumours that the... That people who went down to the fast lane didn't reappear, disappeared. Mm. That there was something down there, and she wasn't going to risk her family. Ah, right. Okay. Yes, you. I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I, I, I she does say, "Oh, we've got three now." Yeah. The doctor says to them, "We've got three now. We can go." Yeah. I just thought it was a bit easy for people to get down there because as soon as they get three people, um, you know, they didn't have to. Check because you know sort of the, the couple that kidnapped Martha, um, Chena and her boyfriend. You know how easy was it? They just kidnapped someone. All of a sudden, they were given access. They didn't have to. I thought it would have been sort of checking. If I thought, I thought if the face of I was keeping everybody safe or what to keep everybody safe, he would have made it sort of look a bit more. There was a bit more government um, official in, in place. I think it just become an automated system. I think the face of Bo wasn't actually necessarily running it is in terms of running it is just actually making sure the power went to it. Yeah. Um, and after that, it just become a completely automated system. Because when he drops down into the last... When the Doctor drops down into the last uh, uh, vehicle he's going to, mm. where it's the suited gent, Yeah. Um, he says about, oh, we'll take, take us down. And he says, no, there's only two of us. It won't let us. It'll lock the steering straight up if we try to do it yeah so it must be totally must it be must t- know t- body t- signs to yeah before it let people actually steer down yeah i just, I just thought it was, it was it it was one of those sort of plot contrivances really the sort of like the third you know get the third person on then it was sort of very old oh, bang you can go sort of thing there was no um i don't know i it was just something that just sort of bugged me a little bit yeah, I mean, it, so it, 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 it didn't, didn't spawn in joint of it at all because I say it kept the story moving. And it's a thing on um, what well, there was, wasn't there? Was there was talk about tolls on roads and that, and that mm. you don't, wouldn't have to pay a toll if at the time, I think, because the part of the M6 had become a toll road at that stage, wasn't it? That's right. There was yeah. talk about that more roads were going to become toll roads unless you had a certain amount of people in cars and whatever. Yeah, but uh, but the um, now the other thing. Sort of everyone trapped in the uh, in the cars. You had this sort of um, a couple of scenes of sort of uh, community togetherness, didn't you? And this is what I was sort of alluding to when I started this off. I was saying some very un-Doctor Who things. Um, where everyone sang the old rugged cross. Yes. Um, religion. Yeah. 
and religion being something and, and not a made up religion either yeah but it was actually helping people yeah no two ways about it it, it, it was sort of like basically saying sort of like the, the religion that appeared to be or the the hymn that was holding people together there was a Catholic hymn yeah as well so and I, I don't know is, was, is Russell T Davis what is or was religious or he's got or does he got I can't remember if he's got very strong views on religion I think it comes from his childhood I think yeah there's something um, I remember an interview with him and why he said he put it in and whatever yeah was that it was something that was pretty much all around him when he was growing up mm. Because again, right at the very end, you got was it a Bible with me at the end as well, haven't you? Yeah. Um, but putting the the religion thing to one side, it was, um, I thought, a very nice scene. Yeah. Um, when the well, it was, it was the sort of same, you know, when nothing, when you've got nothing else, hope, yeah. When hope is all you've got, you tend yeah. to believe, start to believe in that there is a a greater good out there. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just thought I just thought it was quite, you know, without wanting to get into any religious debate or anything, but. Um, yeah, it, it, it was just a very nice scene. Yeah, yeah very nice. I did, I'd really sort of like thought it was, it was a, nice, a nice little moment. Really did. Now the other thing that's um, the, well, the sorry, the big thing about this, uh, the introduction of the macra. Yeah, and the first just sort of real nod to, without it actually being a major character, you know, to, to the old series where either you're you're know it or not. They didn't bother, they didn't try didn't try to explain who they were to that extent. No, they they weren't. I suppose they were the villain of the piece to a certain extent, but they weren't the the main villain of the story. They just happened to no. be that they were the you know the beast in the cellar. Yeah, it was they, coincidental, they, you know. It was... They was the threat um, to to what was happening, but not the actual reason for people wanting to get out. Yeah, as such, they was just a byproduct threat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I sort of it was just well. Again, well done. Yeah, is that like you? You knew of the macro, or you didn't? Yeah, and and for half you know the long term fans, what's to say hardcore fans? I mean, you'd say long term fans. Um, it was sort of a little sort of like, oh oh wow, brilliant the macro. Yeah, know, and, and from a um, a missing story as well. Yes, you know. So it, no, I thought it, it was good. I really I really did like that, and I just like the fact, as you said, there was no explanation. They were just there. The doctors yeah. go, uh, gave an explanation as to why they were there, because of the because of the gases and everything, uh, but that was it. Yeah, didn't didn't explain how he'd met them before or no, and there was no need no to, need to no, yeah. and there was no need to kill them off either. No, it just assumes they were they were there. And once the vents were open, they just moved on somewhere else. Yeah, or they'd die because there wouldn't be the yeah. pollution for them to to live on. Yeah, it, it was of no consequence really, was it? No. So yeah, I did like that. I did like that. Um, now the other thing um, as well, you have got the face of Bone. Obviously, Hame kidnaps the Doctor just about. He's, he's about to try and get to Martha. Um, what would you think of the face of Bow anyway? Um, yeah, I mean, if you've got to have a, they'd set it up, hadn't they? You'd set, you'd set it up in the previous story mm. that he would tell, yeah, Traveller something of his last words. So you always knew it was going to come back. He was going to come back. Yeah. And, yeah, just for a reoccurring character that wasn't, again, didn't need to be critical as such. No, that's right. Yeah, it was, it was a, it's, it, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, 
But the, the thing that sort of sort of tickled me again. So wouldn't wouldn't have a novice home cleared up all the corpses in the Senate? Uh, I don't <laughs> so, know. So Why just, not? So just, <laughs> just leave them there. What, what would you do with them? <laughs> well, to you be could, honest, you could burn them, um, cremate them. You know, bury them somewhere. Well, that, that would sense that you'd have to have something to be able to burn with, as such. Oh, there must be and some. Is, there must be something like. Is there around. much wood? I don't know. <laughs> And what if it gets out of control? There's no fire brigade to call, is there? I mean, what, why risk it? Trust you to think of the practicalities of setting fire to a corpse. <laughs> I've done my research. <laughs> You've ruined the atmosphere now, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, you're the one that got the <laughs> It was just a nice, a nice, light-hearted conversation about corpse disposal. Yes. And you... And you had to bring in the practicalities of it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, it, perhaps you thought it was a testament to man's stupidity. Possibly. And a warning to people man, if they did yeah. come across it. Yeah, could be. <laughs> Whereas if she clears them away, then if somebody lands in 100 years when the quarantine finishes, they might just think, why was this place deserted? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, dear. Now, the other thing, good thing about this, the Doctor didn't actually save the day with his sonic screwdriver. No. In this one, which I thought was a, a, re- a refreshing change at that point, because I mean, I think up until then he'd, he'd used a sonic screwdriver each and every time, waved it about and fixed something. But, but this was sort of back to the Doctor um, building something again. Yes. Which you know, I quite like that. You know, it was it was and it was, actually it was struggling. Nice to see. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was nice to see again, um, and it was the face of Bo who basically saved his bacon. Yeah. With his uh, with his plan, he sort of gave his last ounce of power, yeah, uh, to um, to help the doctor out. So yeah, it was um, yeah, I just it was, it was nice to see for a change, you know. So, uh, but obviously after that, the face of Bo's uh, tank cracks and uh, out he pops, and then, and then you get the uh, the prophecy: you yes. are you are not alone, uh, yeah. which which we all know what what this leads to now. What, yes. what what did you think at the time? Where did you think? Obviously, it, it was obviously a return of of. Time Lord or a Time Lord? Yeah, but, but, yeah there, there was yeah that either they were out there or yeah. But what, what did you think at the time when you were like the first time you watched this? When you, um, when you, when to you... a certain extent, I was quite pleased because I've, I've not never really been quite happy with the fact that the the Time Lords were no longer there. No, no, I, I, I agree. I it, agree. It, it has lost that the fact that he's running from somebody. Mm, yeah, because it's it's now just down to him just bumming around the universe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he always had that that you know he was running from the Time Lords. It was whether actually consciously that they was after him or just that he was enjoying travelling and knew that he was what he was getting away from. Mm. And this is something perhaps that the series has lost. I think so as well. I think so. It, I mean, what they, they've done it now is sort of. I mean, it's sort of the Doctor sort of running away from him, from himself. Yeah, his his past, what his he's past, done. Yeah, which is a little bit too sort of navel gazing, if you ask me. So I, I think if yeah. he had actually had something tangible to run away from. Yeah, as there's no there's done. nobody who's gonna. You know, there's nobody who's gonna turn up and keep him in line. No, that's right. I, that, I think that that is missing. That yeah. is missing. So oh well. And I was I was sort of quite pleased at the time because I thought, oh, perhaps we are going to now go back, yeah, some way. And of course, when we did get the Time Lords back, well, yeah. we, we don't speak about that anymore, yes. do we? No, no. <laughs> no. yeah. 
Oh, well, it wasn't particularly fantastic with the... Well, anyway. Yeah, we'll get a bit ahead of ourselves. <laughs> we'll ahead of ourselves. So, yeah, so basically it, it ended with the Doctor describing Gallifrey to Martha. Um, um, conven- and- it's always convenient how you can always find the right number of plastic white chairs when you need <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, so it, I, just, I just thought it ended nicely as well. Um, I, I just, I just really, really enjoyed it. Okay, I know I'd sort of picked at a couple of bits there, but um, no, it was know. quite nice just to have a Russell T Davis story where it actually was just a nice, simple story. Mm. When you, 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 it was character driven. Yep, so the actual action wasn't really massive. No, it wasn't. And you had some really, actually, quite nice scenes, including the last scene. Yeah, where the doctor has to explain. Yeah, and a, again, he's and again, lied, and B, why he's mm. he is as he is at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it didn't rely on any flashy special effects or anything. It was just a couple of nicely acted and well written scenes that um, that set the whole story up. Yeah. So yeah, cool. I, I I I don't think I can say any more about this actually. No. No. Apart from the fact I enjoyed it. After, yes. after all this time, I still enjoy it. So. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that wraps it up then, doesn't it? It does. It does indeed. It does indeed. Right. Uh, what's coming up next then? Um, yeah. What is coming up? What kind of? Should we should we try and do our Doctor and the Cave Monsters review? Yes. Okay. Let's give that a go, shall we? Um, so coming up in the next episode, then, as you just heard us muttering to ourselves, we are going to del- deliver on that promise, really, aren't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> From a few episodes ago. Uh, yeah, we're going to um, do our review of the Target novelisation of uh, the Silurians, uh, which is, in Target terms, it's called Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters. So, uh, yes, that's to come. That yes. That is to come. So, um, yes, so let's wrap this up now then. So, for another week then, until next time, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. Who's he?